Section 11 of Library of the World's Best Mystery and Detective Stories, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mullane. Library of the World's Best Mystery and Detective Stories, Volume 6, by Julian Hawthorne, Editor. Section 11. The Scar on the Throat, from the Thousand and One Nights. There was once a king named Suleiman Shah, who was goodly of policy and counsel, and he had a brother who died and left a daughter. So Suleiman Shah reared her with the best of rearing, and the girl became a model of reason and perfection, nor was there in her time a more beautiful than she. Now the king had two sons, one of whom he had appointed in his mind to wed her, while the other purposed to take her. The eldest son's name was Baluan, and that of the younger Malik Shah, and the girl was called Shah Khatun. Now one day King Suleiman Shah went into his brother's daughter, and, kissing her head, said to her, Thou art my daughter, and dearer to me than a child, for the love of thy late father, who hath found mercy. Wherefore I purpose espousing thee to one of my sons, and appointing him my heir apparent, so he may be king after me. Look, then, which thou wilt have of my sons, for that thou hast been reared with them, and knowest them. The maiden arose, and kissing his hand, said to him, O my lord, I am thine handmaid, and thou art the ruler over me, so whatever liketh thee do that same inasmuch as thy wish is higher and honourabler and holier than mine. And if thou wouldst have me serve thee as a handmaid for the rest of my life, twere fairer to me than any mate. The king commended her speech, and conferred on her a robe of honour, and gave her magnificent gifts, after which, his choice having fallen upon his younger son, Malik Shah, he wedded her with him, and made him his heir apparent, and bade the folk swear fealty to him. When this reached his brother Baluan, and he was aware that his younger brother had by favour been preferred over him, his breast was straightened, and the affair was sore to him, and envy entered into him and hate. But he hid this in his heart, while fire raged therein because of the damsel and the dominion. Meanwhile Shah Khatun went in bridal splendour to the king's son, and conceived by him, and bare a son, as he were the illuming moon. When Baluan saw this betide his brother, envy and jealousy overcame him, so he went in one night to his father's palace, and coming to his brother's chamber, saw the nurse sleeping at the door, with the cradle before her, and therein his brother's child asleep. Baluan stood by him, and fell to looking upon his face, whose radiance was as that of the moon and Satan insinuated himself into his heart, so that he bethought himself and said, Why be not this babe mine? Verily, I am worthier of him than my brother, yea, and of the damsel and the dominion. Then the idea got the mastery of him, and anger drove him, so that he took out a knife, and setting it to the child's gullet, cut his throat and would have severed his windpipe. So he left him for dead, and entering his brother's chamber, saw him asleep, with the princess by his side, and thought to slay her. 
but said to himself, I will leave the girl-wife for myself. Then he went up to his brother, and cutting his throat, parted head from body, after which he left him and went away. But now the world was straightened upon him, and his life was a light matter to him, and he sought the lodging of his sire Suleiman Shah, that he might slay him also, but could not get admission to him. So he went forth from the palace, and hid himself in the city till the morrow, when he repaired to one of his father's fortalices, and therein fortified himself. On this wise it was with him, but as regards the nurse, she presently awoke that she might give the child suck, and seeing the cradle running with blood, cried out, whereupon the sleeper started up, and the king was aroused, and making for the place, found the child with his throat cut, and the bed running over with blood, and his father dead with a slit wizened in his sleeping-chamber. They examined the child, and found life in him, and his windpipe whole, and they sewed up the place of the wound. Then the king sought his son Baluan, but found him not, and saw that he had fled. So he knew that it was he who had done this deed, and this was grievous to the king and to the people of his realm, and to the lady Shah Khatun. Thereupon the king laid out his son Malik Shah, and buried him, and made him a mighty funeral, and they mourned with passing sore mourning, after which he applied himself to rearing the infant. As for Baluan, when he fled and fortified himself, his power waxed amain, and there remained for him but to make war upon his father, who had cast his fondness upon the child, and used to rear him on his knees and supplicate Almighty Allah that he might live, so he might commit the command to him. When he came to five years of age, the king mounted him on horseback, and the people of the city rejoiced in him, and prayed for him length of life, that he might take vengeance for his father, and heal his grandsire's heart. Meanwhile Balawan the rebel addressed himself to pay court to Caesar, king of the Rum, and crave aid of him in debelling his father, and he inclined unto him and gave him a numerous army. His sire, the king, hearing of this, sent to Caesar, saying, O glorious king of might illustrious, succour not an evildoer. This is my son, and he hath done so and so, and cut his brother's throat, and that of his brother's son in the cradle. But he told not the king of the room that the child had recovered and was alive. When Caesar heard the truth of the matter, it was grievous to him as grievous could be, and he sent back to Suleiman Shah, saying, An it be thy wish, O king, I will cut off his head and send it to thee. But he made answer, saying, I care naught for him. Soon and surely the reward of his deed and his crimes shall overtake him, if not to-day, then to-morrow, and from that date he continued to exchange letters and presents with Caesar. Now the king of the room heard tell of the widowed princess, and of the beauty and loveliness wherewith she was endowed, wherefore his heart clave to her, and he sent to seek her in wedlock of Suleiman Shah, who could not refuse him. So he arose, and going into Shah Khatun, said to her, O my daughter, the king of the room hath sent to me to seek thee in marriage. What sayest thou? She wept, and replied, O king, how canst thou find it in thy heart to address me thus? As for me, abideth their husband for me after the son of my uncle? Rejoined the king, O my daughter, tis indeed as thou sayest, but here let us look to the issues of affairs. I must now take compte of death, for that I am a man shot in years, and fear not, save for thee, and thy little son. And indeed, 
i have written to the king of the room and others of the kings and said his uncle slew him and said not that he hath recovered and is living but concealed his affair now the king of the room hath sent to demand thee in marriage and this is no thing to be refused and fain would we have our back strengthened with him and she was silent and spake not so king suleiman shah made answer to caesar with hearing and obeying then he arose and dispatched her to him and caesar went into her and found her passing the description wherewith they had described her wherefore he loved her every day more and more and preferred her over all his women and his affection for suleiman shah was increased but shah Khatun's heart still clave to her child and she could say naught as for suleiman shah's son the rebel Baluan, when he saw that shah Khatun had married the king of the room this was grievous to him and he despaired of her meanwhile his father suleiman shah watched over the child and cherished him and named him malik shah after the name of his sire when he reached the age of ten he made the folk do homage to him and appointed him his heir apparent and after some days the old king's time for paying the debt of nature drew near and he died now a party of the troops had banded themselves together for Baluan, so they sent to him and bringing him privily went into the little malik shah and seized him and seated his uncle Baluan on the throne of kingship then they proclaimed him king and did homage to him all saying verily we desire thee and deliver to thee the throne of kingship but we wish of thee that thou slay not thy brother's son because we are still bounden by the oaths we swore to his sire and his grandsire and the covenants we made with them so baluan granted this to them and imprisoned the boy in an underground dungeon and straightened him presently the grievous news reached his mother and this was to her a fresh grief but she could not speak and committed her affair to allah almighty for that she durst not name this to king caesar her spouse lest she should make her uncle king suleiman shah a liar but as regards baluan the rebel he abode king in his father's place and his affairs prospered while young malik shah lay in the souterrain four full-told years till his favour faded and his charms changed when he extolled and exalted be he will to relieve him and to bring him forth of the prison baluan sat one day with his chief officers and the lords of his land and discoursed with them of the story of his sire king suleiman shah and what was in his heart now there were present certain wazirs men of worth and they said to him o king verily allah hath been bountiful to thee and hath brought thee to thy wish so that thou art become king in thy father's palace and has won whatso thou wishedest but as for this youth there is no guilt in him because he from the day of his coming into the world hath seen neither ease nor pleasure and indeed his favour is faded and his charms changed what is his crime that he should merit such pains and penalties indeed others than he were to blame and hereto allah hath given thee the victory over them and there is no fault in this poor lad quote baluan verily tis as ye say but i fear his machinations and am not safe from his mischief haply the most part of the folk will incline unto him 
they replied, O king, what is this boy, and what power hath he? And thou fear him? Send him to one of the frontiers. And Balawan said, Ye speak sooth, so we will send him as captain of war to reduce one of the outlying stations. Now over against the place in question was a host of enemies, hard of heart, and in this he designed the slaughter of the youth. So he bade bring him forth of the underground dungeon, and caused him draw near to him, and saw his case. Then he robed him, whereat the folk rejoiced, and bound for him the banners, and, giving him a mighty many, dispatched him to the quarter aforesaid, whither all who went or were slain or were taken. Accordingly Malik Shah fared thither with his force, and when it was one of the days, behold, the enemy attacked them in the night, whereupon some of his men fled, and the rest the enemy captured, and they seized Malik Shah also, and cast him into a pit with a company of his men. His fellows mourned over his beauty and loveliness, and there he abode a whole twelve month in the evilest plight. Now at the beginning of every year it was the enemy's wont to bring forth their prisoners, and cast them down from the top of the citadel to the bottom. So at the custom time they brought them forth and cast them down, and Malik Shah with them. However, he fell upon the other men, and the ground touched him not, for his term was God-guarded. But those who were cast down there were slain upon the spot, and their bodies ceased not to lie there till the wild beasts ate them, and the winds scattered their bones. Malik Shah abode, strown in his place and a swoon, all that day and that night, and when he revived and found himself safe and sound, he thanked Allah the Most High for his safety, and rising, left the place. He gave not over walking, unknowing whither he went, and dieting upon the leaves of the trees, and by day he hid himself where he might, and fared on at hazard all the night, and thus he did for some days, till he came to a populous part, and seeing folk there, accosted them. He acquainted them with his case, giving them to know that he had been prisoned in the fortress, and that they had thrown him down, but Almighty Allah had saved him, and brought him off alive. The people had ruth on him, and gave him to eat and drink, and he abode with them several days. Then he questioned them of the way that led to the kingdom of his uncle Balawan, but told them not that he was his father's brother. So they showed him the road, and he ceased not to go barefoot, till he drew near his uncle's capital, naked and hungry, and indeed his limbs were lean, and his colour changed. He sat down at the city gate, when, behold, up came a company of King Balawan's chief officers, who were out a-hunting, and wished to water their horses. They lighted down to rest, and the youth accosted them, saying, I would ask you of somewhat, that ye may acquaint me therewith. Quote they, Ask what thou wilt. And quote he, Is King Balawan well? They derided him, and replied, What a fool art thou, O youth! Thou art a stranger, and a beggar, and whence art thou that thou shouldst question concerning the king? Cried he, In very sooth he is my uncle. Whereat they marvelled, and said, "'Twas one catch-question, and now tis become two. Then said they to him, O youth, it is as if thou wert jinn-mad, 
whence comest thou to claim kinship with the king indeed we know not that he hath any kith and kin save a nephew a brother's son who was prisoned with him and he dispatched him to wage war upon the infidels so that they slew him said malik shah i am he and they slew me not but there befell me this and that they knew him forthwith and rising to him kissed his hands and rejoiced in him and said to him o our lord thou art indeed a king and the son of a king and we desire thee naught but good and we pray for thy continuance look how allah hath rescued thee from this wicked uncle who sent thee to a place whence none ever came off safe and sound purposing not in this but thy destruction and indeed thou fellest upon death from which allah delivered thee how then wilt thou return and cast thyself again into thy foeman's hand by allah save thyself and return not to him this second time haply thou shalt abide upon the face of the earth till it please almighty allah to receive thee but and thou fall again into his hand he will not suffer thee to live a single hour the prince thanked them and said to them allah reward you with all weal for indeed ye give me loyal counsel but whither would ye have me wend quote they to the land of the room the abiding place of thy mother but quote he my grandfather suleiman shah when the king of the room wrote to him demanding my mother in marriage hid my affair and secreted my secret and she hath done the same and i cannot make her a liar rejoin they thou sayest sooth but we desire thine advantage and even wert thou to take service with the folk twere a means of thy continuance then each and every of them brought out to him money and gave him a modicum and clad him and fed him and fared on with him the length of a parasang till they brought him far from the city and letting him know that he was safe departed from him while he journeyed till he came forth of his uncle's reign and entered the dominion of the ruin then he made a village and taking up his abode therein applied himself to serving one there in earing and seeding and the like as for his mother shakatun great was her longing for her child and she thought of him ever and news of him was cut off from her so her life was troubled and she forswore sleep and could not make mention of him before king caesar her spouse now she had a eunuch who had come with her from the court of her uncle king suleiman shah and he was intelligent quick-witted right-readed so she took him apart one day and said to him shedding tears the while thou hast been my eunuch from my childhood to this day canst thou not therefore get me tidings of my son seeing that i cannot speak of his matter he replied o my lady this is an affair which thou hast concealed from the commencement and were thy son here it would not be possible for thee to entertain him lest thine honour be smirched with the king for they would never credit thee since the news hath been bruited abroad that thy son was slain by his uncle quote she the case is even as thou sayest and thou speakest sooth but 
provided I know that my son is alive. Let him be in these parts pasturing sheep, and let me not sight him, nor he sight me. He asked, How shall we manage in this matter? And she answered, Here be my treasures and my wealth. Take all thou wilt, and bring me my son or else tidings of him. Then they devised a device between them, which was that they should feign some business in their own country, to wit that she had wealth there buried from the time of her husband, Malik Shah, and that none knew of it but this eunuch who was with her, so it behoved him to go fetch it. Accordingly she acquainted the king her husband with that, and sought his permit for the eunuch to fare, and the king granted him leave of absence for the journey, and charged him devise a device, lest he come to grief. The eunuch, therefore, disguised himself in merchant's habit, and repairing to Balawan's city, began to make a spiel concerning the youth's case, whereupon they told him that he had been prisoned in a souterrain, and that his uncle had released him, and dispatched him to such a place where they had slain him. When the eunuch heard this, the mishap was grievous to him, and his breast was straightened, and he knew not what to do. It chanced one day of the days that a certain of the horsemen, who had fallen in with the young Malik Shah by the water, and clad him and given him spending money, saw the eunuch in the city habited as a merchant, and recognizing him, questioned him of his case and of the cause of his coming. Quote he, I came to sell merchandise. And quote the horseman, I will tell thee somewhat, and thou canst keep it secret. Answered the eunuch, That I can. What is it? And the other said, We met the king's son, Malik Shah, I and sundry of the Arabs who were with me, and saw him by such a water, and gave him spending money, and sent him toward the land of the Rum, near his mother, for that we feared for him lest his uncle Balawan slay him. Then he told him all that had passed between them, whereat the eunuch's countenance changed, and he said to the cavalier, Thou art safe. The knight replied, Thou also art safe, though thou come in quest of him. And the eunuch rejoined, saying, Truly, that is my errand. There is no rest for his mother, lying down or rising up, and she hath sent me to seek news of him. Quote the cavalier, Go in safety, for he is in a quarter of the land of the room, even as I said to thee. The eunuch thanked him, and blessed him, and mounting returned upon his road, following the trail, while the knight rode with him to a certain highway, when he said to him, This is where we left him. Then he took leave of him, and returned to his own city, while the eunuch fared on along the road, inquiring in every village he entered of the youth, by the description which the rider had given him. And he ceased not thus to do, till he came to the village wherein was young Malik Shah. So he entered, and dismounting made inquiry after the prince, but none gave him news of him, whereat he abode perplexed concerning his affair, and made ready to depart. Accordingly he mounted his horse, but, as he passed through the village, he saw a cow bound with a rope, and a youth asleep by her side, bending the halter in hand. 
so he looked at him and passed on and he did him not in his heart but presently he halted and said to himself and the youth who i am questing have become the like of the sleeping youth whom i passed but now how shall i know him alas the length of my travail and travel how shall i go about in search of a somebody i know not one whom if i saw him face to face i should not know so saying he turned back musing anent that sleeping youth and coming to him he still sleeping dismounted from his mare and sat down by his side he fixed his eyes upon his face and considered him a while and said in himself for aught i wot this youth may be malik shah then he began hemming and saying hark ye o youth whereupon the sleeper awoke and sat up and the eunuch asked him who be thy father in this village and where be thy dwelling the youth sighed and replied i am a stranger and quoth the eunuch from what land art thou and who is thy sire quoth the other i am from such a land and the eunuch ceased not to question him and he to answer his queries till he was certified of him and knew him so he arose and embraced him and kissed him and wept over his case he also told him that he was wandering about in search of him and informed him that he was come privily from the king his mother's husband and that his mother would be satisfied to weet that he was alive and well though she saw him not then he re-entered the village and buying the prince a horse mounted him and they ceased not going till they came to the frontier of their own country where there fell robbers upon them by the way and took all that was with them and pinioned them after which they threw them into a pit hard by the road and went their ways and left them to die there and indeed they had cast many folk into that pit and they had perished the eunuch fell a-weeping in the pit and the youth said to him what is this weeping and what shall it profit here quoth the eunuch i weep not for fear of death but of ruth for thee and the cursedness of thy case and because of thy mother's heart and for that which thou hast suffered of horrors and that thy death should be this ignoble death after the endurance of all manner of dire distresses but the youth said that which hath betided me was writ to me and that which is written none hath power to efface and if my life term be advanced none may defer it then the twain passed that night and the following day and the next night and the next day in the hollow till they were weak with hunger and came nigh upon death and could but groan feebly now it fortuned by the decree of almighty allah and his destiny that caesar king of the greeks the spouse of malik shah's mother shakatun went forth a-hunting that morning he flushed a head of game he and his company and chased it till they came up with it by that pit whereupon one of them lighted down from his horse to slaughter it hard by the mouth of the hollow he heard a sound of low moaning from the soul of the pit whereat he arose and mounting his horse waited till the troops were assembled then he acquainted the king with this and he bade one of his servants descend into the hollow so the man climbed down and brought out the youth and the eunuch in fainting condition they cut their pinion bonds 
and poured wine down their throats till they came to themselves, when the king looked at the eunuch, and recognizing him, said, Hark ye, such an one. The eunuch replied, Yes, O my lord the king, and prostrated himself to him, whereat the king wondered with exceeding wonder, and asked him, How camest thou to this place, and what hath befallen thee? The eunuch answered, I went and took out the treasure and brought it thus far, but the evil eye was behind me, and I unknowing. So the thieves took us alone here, and seized the money, and cast us into this pit, that we might die the slow death of hunger, even as they had done with others. But Allah the Most High sent thee in pity to us. The king marvelled, he and his, and praised the Lord for that he had come thither, after which he turned to the eunuch and said to him, What is this youth thou hast with thee? He replied, O king, this is the son of a nurse who belonged to us, and we left him when he was a little one. I saw him to-day, and his mother said to me, Take him with thee. So this morning I brought him that he might be a servant to the king, for that he is an adroit youth and a clever. Then the king fared on, he and his company, and with them the eunuch and the youth, who questioned his companion of Balawan, and his dealing with his subjects. And he replied, saying, As thy head liveth, O my lord the king, the folk are in sore annoy with him, and not one of them wisheth a sight of him, be they high or low. When the king returned to his palace, he went into his wife, Shah Khatun, and said to her, I give thee the glad tidings of thy eunuch's return. And he told her what had betided, and of the youth whom he had brought with him. When she heard this, her wits fled, and she would have screamed, but her reason restrained her. And the king said to her, What is this? Art thou overcome with grief for the loss of the monies, or for that which hath befallen the eunuch? Said she, Nay, as thy head liveth, O king, but women are weaklings. Then came the eunuch, and going into her, told her all that had happened to him, and also acquainted her with her son's case, and with that which he had suffered of distresses, and how his uncle had exposed him to slaughter, and he had been taken prisoner, and they had cast him into the pit, and held him from the highmost of the citadel, and how Allah had delivered him from these perils, all of them, and whilst he recounted to her all this, she wept. Then she asked him, When the king saw him, and questioned thee of him, What was it thou saidst him? And he answered, I said to him, This is the son of a nurse who belonged to us. We left him a little one, and he grew up, so I brought him, that he might be servant to the king. Cried she, Thou didst well. And she charged him to serve the prince with faithful service. As for the king, he redoubled in kindness to the eunuch, and appointed the youth a liberal allowance, and the abode, going into and coming out of the king's house, and standing in his service. And every day he waxed better with him. As for Shah Khatun, she used to station herself at watch for him, at the windows and in the balconies, and gaze upon him, and she frying on coals afar on his account, yet could she not speak. In such condition she abode a long while, and indeed yearning for him was killing her. 
so she stood and watched for him one day at the door of her chamber, and straining him to her bosom, buzzed him on the breast and kissed him on either cheek. At this moment, behold, out came the major-domo of the king's household, and seeing her embracing the youth, started in amazement. Then he asked to whom that chamber belonged, and was answered, To Shah Khatun, wife of the king. Whereupon he turned back, quaking as one smitten by a leaven bolt. The king saw him in a tremor, and said to him, Out on thee! What is the matter? said he. O king, what matter can be more grievous than that which I see? asked the king. What seest thou? And the officer answered, I see that the youth, who came with the eunuch, was not brought with him save on account of Shah Khatun, for I passed but now by her chamber door, and she was standing watching, and when the youth came up, she rose to him, and clipped him, and kissed him on his cheek. When the king heard this, he bowed his head amazed, perplexed, and sinking into a seat, clutched at his beard, and shook it till he came nigh upon plucking it out. Then he arose forthright, and laid hands on the youth, and clapped him in jail. He also took the eunuch, and cast them both into a souterrain under his palace. After this he went into Sharkatoon, and said to her, Brava, by Allah, O daughter of nobles, O thou whom kings sought to wed for the purity of thy repute, and the fairness of the fame of thee, how seemly is thy semblance! Now may Allah curse her whose inward contrarieth her outward, after the likeness of thy base favour, whose exterior is handsome, and its interior fulsome, face fair, and deeds foul. Verily, I mean to make of thee and of yonder ne'er-do-well an example among the lieges, for that thou sentest not thine eunuch, but of intent on his account, so that he took him and brought him into my palace, and thou hast trampled my head with him, and this is none other than exceeding boldness. But thou shalt see what I will do with you all. So saying, he spat in her face and went out from her, while Sharkatoon said nothing, well knowing that, and she spoke at that time, he would not credit her speech. Then she humbled herself in supplication to Allah Almighty, and said, O God the Great, thou knowest the things by secrecy and sealed, and their outwards revealed, and their inwards concealed. If an advanced life-term be appointed to me, let it not be deferred, and if a deferred one, let it not be advanced. On this wise she passed some days, while the king fell into bewilderment, and forswore meat and drink and sleep, and abode knowing not what lie should do, and saying to himself, And I slay the eunuch and the youth, my soul will not be solaced, for they are not to blame, seeing that she sent to fetch him, and my heart careth not to kill them all three. But I will not be hasty in doing them die, for that I fear repentance. Then he left them, so that he might look into the affair. Now he had a nurse, a foster-mother, on whose knees he had been reared, and she was a woman of understanding, and suspected him, yet dared not question him. So she went in to Shah Khatun, 
and finding her in yet sadder plight than he, asked her what was to do, but she refused to answer. However, the nurse gave not over coaxing and questioning her, till she swore her to concealment. Accordingly, the old woman made oath that she would keep secret all that she should say to her, whereupon the queen to her related her history, first and last, and told her that the youth was her son. With this the old woman prostrated herself before her, and said to her, This is a right easy matter. But the queen replied, By Allah, O my mother, I prefer my destruction and that of my son to defending myself by a plea which they will not believe, for they will say, She pleaded this only that she may fend off shame from herself, and naught will profit me save long-suffering. The old woman was moved by her speech and her wisdom, and said to her, Indeed, O my daughter, tis as thou sayest, and I hope in Allah that he will show forth the truth. Have patience, and I will presently go into the king, and hear his words, and machinate somewhat in this matter. Inshallah. Thereupon the ancient dame arose, and going into the king, found him with his head between his knees in sore pain of sorrow. She sat down by him a while, and bespoke him with soft words, and said to him, Indeed, O my son, thou consumest my vitals, for that these many days thou hast not mounted horse, and thou grievest, and I know not what aileth thee. He replied, O my mother, all is due to yonder accursed, of whom I deemed so well, and who hath done this and that. Then he related to her the whole story from beginning to end, and she cried to him, This thy chagrin is on account of a no better than she should be? Quote he, I was but considering by what death I should slay them, so the folk may take warning and repent. And quote she, O my son, where precipitance, for it gendereth repentance, and the slaying of them shall not escape thee. When thou art assured of this affair, do whatso thou willest. He rejoined, O my mother, there needeth no assurance anent him for whom she dispatched her eunuch, and he fetched him. But she retorted, there is a thing wherewith we will make her confess, and all that is in her heart shall be discovered to thee. Asked the king, What is that? And she answered, I will bring thee the heart of a hoopie, which, when she sleepeth, do thou lay upon her bosom, and question her of everything thou wouldst know, and she will discover the same unto thee, and show forth the truth to thee. The king rejoiced in this, and said to his nurse, Hasten thou, and let none know of thee. So she arose, and going into the queen, said to her, I have done thy business, and tis as follows. This night the king will come in to thee, and do thou seem asleep. And if he ask thee of aught, do thou answer him, as if in thy sleep. The queen thanked her, and the old dame went away, and fetching the bird's heart, gave it to the king. Hardly was the night come, when he went in to his wife, and found her lying back, a-slumbering. So he sat down by her side, and laying the hoopie's heart on her breast, waited a while, so he might be assured that she slept. Then said he to her, Shah Khatun, 
Sharkatoon, is this my reward from thee? Quote she, what offence have I committed? And quote he, what offence can be greater than this? Thou sentest after yonder youth, and broughtest him hither, on account of thy wicked desire. Said she, this youth is my son, and a piece of my heart, and of my longing and affection for him I could not contain myself, but sprang upon him and kissed him. When the king heard this, he was dazed and amazed, and said to her, Hast thou a proof that this youth is thy son? Indeed, I have a letter from thine uncle, King Suleiman Shah, informing me that his uncle Balawan cut his throat. Said she, Yes, he did indeed cut his throat, but severed not the windpipe, so my uncle sewed up the wound and reared him, for that his lifetime was not come. When the king heard this, he said, This proof sufficeth me, and rising forthright in the night, bade bring the youth and the eunuch. Then he examined his stepson's throat with a candle, and saw the scar where it had been cut from ear to ear, and indeed the place had healed up, and it was like a thread stretched out. Thereupon the king fell down prostrate before Allah, who had delivered the prince from all these perils, and from the distresses he had suffered, and rejoiced with joy exceeding, because he had delayed, and had not made haste to slay him, in which case mighty sore repentance had betided him. End of section 11 Recording by Mullane